I want to ask if you had uh, any update or any announcement you'd like to make. Well, I think that I it might be good to update the devotees on the status of my book, which has been pending for some time. Um, and that's the circle of friends. I've written another little book, as I've mentioned, called Sakya Pranay, and I'm just uh, uh, at the end of end of that, of the first draft of that. So, um, but with regard to Circle of Friends, um, it's a big book, and it's taken a lot of time, given that uh, I've got a limited staff here of uh, devotees to help me with it and there are many other things to do but um, also it's been was set back a little bit because um, after it was laid out I sent it to the famous or infamous I'm not sure Jayadvita Swami to see if he would like to endorse it who's famous uh, or as I say, famous editor of Prabhupada's books. Um, and so he had endorsed my previous book, Sacred Preface, and liked it very much. So he wanted to do it, but then he went through it. He started finding um, some copy editing type grammatical issues that uh, Lita Saki, who was at Bhaktivan in Kansas, who, who is, did the proofreading and the uh, and the copying some things that um, that she missed, and so um, I gave him a go ahead to go through the whole book like that, and he did. And so anyway, that's um, she's now entering those changes, determining which ones we want to accept and not, and so forth. So that's taken a little long, and she has other other things to do, life to to a livelihood to keep up, and so forth. She works as a as a proofreader and copy editor, so she had some books come in for that. And excuse me. <clears throat> and also then the indexing is being done by Madan Gopal and um and Gauravani, and they're still at it. So it's they've been at it for months. And again, they have, you know, um, um Many other things in their uh, in their lives that they're busy with for, with for maintaining their families and so forth. And um, but I got word from them that uh, there's a few more weeks to to finish that. So I think those, those two things will come together, and um, that's where we're at. The book it's a great book. I mean, uh, I, uh, it's worth waiting for. Is how I feel. I hope you all feel the same way. But I wanted to give an update on that and with that um let's go ahead and take the questions all right thank you for that and let's take first question is from Ekendra from uh, new zealand he says could you please help refine my understanding of the term very culture is there a more essential definition for us than simply adhering to the practices and etiquettes of traditional india how can we apply a more essential definition into modern Western life? Thank you. Well, I think that uh, Vedic culture is an old idea. It refers to, an, you know, to an ancient culture that really followed the Vedas, was ritualistic, uh, which is largely what you find in the Vedas, as Krishna explains in the Gita, right? What does he say there? Um, in the second chapter, Trigunya Vishayaveda, this Trigunya Vartana, Trigunya Vishayaveda. Most of the debates are, are dealing with um, what's called the poverty mark. So, improving your material situation through religious adherence and so forth, and all kinds of sacrifices and rituals and, and so on and so forth. And I think that we, uh, really want to describe our tradition more uh, as one that that originates in a sense, let's say somewhat like the um, the Christianity, the New Testament, 
comes to replace the Old Testament. And the New Testament is the Bhagavad, and in that, in that, in the light of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's um, understanding. And so we're Chaitanyaites, we're Chaitanya Vaishnavas. We can say Gaudiya Vaishnavas, and that's accurate, and there's ways in which we can talk about the word Gaudiya, which refers to West Bengal, that, uh, that, uh, uh, explain the term, the word, uh, beyond the geographical location, Gora, Goda, you know, sweet, um, and, and so forth. But Chaitanya Vaishnavism is another way of speaking about our, our tradition. And, um, but aside from the term that one might use, I think we want to explain ourselves um, in terms of the Vedic culture, how it ex- is expressed through uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which it, with his emphasis not on um, on, on a universal um a universally accepted principle that the, the the name of God is secret and has inherently has secret power. In the beginning, there was the Word, and the Word was one with God, as you find, for example, in in, in the New Testament in the Bible. And um, you know, you go across the, the uh, I think in Islam they have ninety nine names and they have beads to chant on, and and in the Jewish tradition, the name is so sacred that you can't utter it. Uh, and so on and so forth. So that's, this really essentializes in Vedic culture, if you will, and, 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 and focuses on that from it, which is, uh, most pertinent and essential condensed spiritual practice for our times. Um, Nam Dharma, so we're followers of Nam Dharma, we're followers of, of, of Sri Chaitanya. Um, you know, there's, there's there's kind of two things involved here as I am thinking about it in the question. Cultural um, features of that tradition that we embrace, and then essential spiritual ideas, cultural um, features of the tradition that we embrace that are could look be, could be looked at as inherently Indian, but we embrace them. We do so because they have they're favorable to their, uh, uh, de- developing a consciousness of Krishna, which then uh, assists us in the essential practice, for example, of chanting His name. So, you know, what would some of those be? Um, you know. Vegetarianism, okay, well, uh, taking your shoes off before you go in the house, um, that, you know, is a nice idea. It, it extends all throughout the Orient, um, largely. Um, um, uh, you know, they, I, I can't, what else? Other, other, there would be other things that are probably uh, not that difficult to explain to the Western audience or the unfamiliar audience, culturally speaking. Um, uh, they're, they're, you know, incense, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but um, uh, aside from the cultural Features, if you will, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission of accepting that there's the traditional dress, there is the, there is the, uh, there is the ritual of archan, um, that we preserve and so forth, um, in the offering of our food. These, you know, this, these are, if you love someone, invite them to lunch, you know, cook for them. Um, it's very practical. How to love God? Well, how do you love anybody else? Okay. Um, Ask him out for lunch, you know, invite him over for dinner, um, buy him a nice, uh, new set of clothes or a sweater or something. You know, so, I mean, these are just 
ways in which we express uh, principles that are, you know, kind of universally accepted. Like Prashad, well offered, you know, sit around the table, everybody holds hands and says, thank God for the bounty here, you know, uh, and so forth. So ours is just kind of the way we would look at it is a more developed way of, of, of doing that, which which aligns with the fact that we have a more uh, um, clarified or specific understanding of the personality of the Godhead, the form of the Godhead, um, names that correspond with uh, him, his leelas, and so on and so forth, that you know, you're not going to find in, in other traditions where it's often comes up kind of as a blank, you know, God. Um, beyond words. Yeah, he's beyond words, but if you read the words of the Goswamis about him, <laughs> they're coming up with all kinds of words to talk about him that don't, you know, that they admittedly on their part don't do justice, but are worth speaking nonetheless. So, that now, aside from the cultural things, and I'm not sure exactly what you're getting at with, with your question, so I'm just kind of going through the different things that come through my mind. When you say, how can we represent ourselves? We, we follow the Vedic culture. Well, we follow Shaitanya Mahaprabhu. We, we are advocates of Nam Dharma, who uh, would be a couple of ways of talking about that. Um, or you want to go broader, then Prabhupada liked the term Sanatan Dharma. Now, it's a bit of a mouthful to say we're Sanatan Dharmists. Uh, and what does that mean? Well, to universalize that, I would say we're perennialists. We're theistic perennialists. Perennialism is a term coined by, I think, by Leibniz, I think. Um, and then later, Huxley, much later, Huxley took it up and, and uh, wrote about it. But if you look at the you know, original perennialist ideas, it, it, it all goes back to India. It all goes back to, to Sanatana Dharma. And they, they will admit that. Um, there, it comes out in different forms in different cultures and so forth. So there are two schools of perennialists. There's the impersonalist perennialist, which Huxley kind of advocated, um, where all the traditions have different expressions relative to their culture, but they all end up in the same impersonal, uh, merging with the absolute. Uh, but you come, uh, Zainer, uh, Catholic, uh, theologian who wrote an insightful commentary in the Gita in which he compares Ramanuja with, uh, with Shankar and so forth. And it comes to the reasonable conclusion that the Gita is more theistic than, than not. Uh, it's, uh, emphasis on bhakti, its efficacy and its eternality seems to trump the idea, if you will, <laughs> that, um, that knowledge, which would be Shankar's perspective, is the end, not bhakti. Anyway, so it's a good addition. He um, weighed in on perennialism with, a, with an argument for theistic uh, perennialism that uh, preserves the ideals of the different esoteric traditions in transcendence rather than doing away with them and calling just cultural and ways of talking about something that's ineffable, that's ultimately impersonal. Um, so we're perennialists, we're theistic perennialists. Um, I mean, that requires an explanation for most people, but it's a, it's a Western uh, term. Hmm? And Sanatana Dharma is the essence of uh, you know, what they're speaking about when they speak about uh, perennialism. So if you, you know, if you take Christianity and you mix it a little with Hinduism, you've got esoteric Christianity. You take Islam, you, you mix it with, 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 with Hinduism, Vedanta, I should say. Vedanta, that's another word. We're Vedantists. Theistic Vedantists. You mix it with Vedanta, you've got Sufism and you've got an esoteric path. Uh, take Buddhism, well, you know, it comes out of the Upanishads. I mean, that Buddha was a Hindu. Uh, so, so, um, we should be proud to be connected to the source. And these are some ways in which I would uh, think about, I, I kind of don't, I don't think I really uh, can remember using the term Vedic culture and speaking to people, but uh, 
here's some other ways. I hope that answers your question and is helpful. Thank you very much. Let's see. The next question is from Madhu Nam. He says, is the mantra that Shamananda Pandit receives from Subal, the Subal Gayatri, or is it a different one? My understanding is not that uh, Subal uh, gave a mantra to uh, uh, Shamananda. Shamananda was named Suki Krishna. He was a disciple of Rudra Chaitanya, who was a disciple of Subal, or Goridas Pandit, who is Subal in Gorlila. And, of course, the story is that uh, he was sent to Vrindavan, and he was under the Siksha guidance of uh, Jiva Goswami, and a mystical event occurred in his life where um, a gopi appeared and thanked him for finding a bracelet when he was sweeping a, a, a place of the Krishna Leela and um, said that her her her, her, um, her maiden had lost that and then she pressed it on his forehead and made an indelible mark as you know the story that became a question why is he wearing this different tilak where does this come from you know concoction Rita Chaitanya came to Vrindavan to weigh in on it and uh, and Suki Krishna went into went into a trance. And in the trance, um, he experienced the Leela, and in that section of the Leela, uh, Subal appeared and told him to something, to tell, to speak to Hridaya Chaitanya. And this is something that um, only, only his guru, Goridas Pandit, would have known, because Goridas Pandit told it, I think, to Hrida uh, Chaitanya and no one else. And so uh, Duki, Duki Krishnas would not have known it unless, well, he had actually entered into the Leela and heard it from Subal. So he heard it from Subal, and he told it to Hrida Chaitanya, and Hrida Chaitanya realized oh, he had direct connection with Subal and Leela. So his story is real, and that he was blessed, and he was given the name Shamananda, and so forth. Um, so I, and meanwhile, his guru remained Hrida Chaitanya, and the, and the mantras that he received from him basically are our main Diksha mantras, the Gopal mantra. Um, and as explained in, excuse me, in Hari Bhakti Vilas and other texts. And um, there are other mantras and gayatris given out in the Gadadar Parabhata, the Gadadar, you know, uh, Gayatri and Nityananda Paribhartha and so on and so forth. Uh, there may be differences like that, but this is the main mantra. Um, So, again, as far as I know, uh, yeah, no, Subal did not give a mantra to him, per se. Hmm. hope that answers the question. Thank you very much. Um, the next question is from Lalit Saki. She says, in the Lagu Bhagavatamrita, Rupa Goswami argues that in Braj, Krishna demonstrated that all other forms of God are within him. In this context, Rupa Goswami writes, among many other things, that Balaram was manifest during the slaying of Agasura and that Krishna manifested the milk ocean from his cows and churned it with his friends, taking the roles of the devas and the demons. How are we to understand these examples? Well, yeah, um... The Lagabhagavatamrita is a book of Rupa Goswamis, and it's basically an elaborate explanation of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, the, the idea that Krishna is the source of all forms of divinity, and he goes through different forms of divinity and, and demonstrates um, how this is so. It's, it's quite a nice book, actually. Um, so in, in that section, uh, the Paravasta uh chapter or section of the book. Um, he does make those points. And the question was given, so I looked looked up what uh, 
Goswami said with regard to the first part, your confusion is that, well, you know, how did Balaram, how did Balaram become manifest out of the Agasura, slaying the Agasura Leela, a slaying of Agasura? In other words, in this section, Rupa Goswami is showing how this form of God had came out of Krishna, was present in Krishna. This is his principle. All these forms are present within Krishna. Therefore, he's the source. Here are examples of how this form of the Lord was present and manifested in Braj. This form manifested in Braj. This out of Krishna. So here, in with regard to Balaram, he's describing how how the fourth, how the Chatur Vyuha, Vasudev, Sankarshan, Pradyumnanani Ruda, the famous uh, fourfold Vyuha, Chatur, four, Vyuha, expansions, uh, were manifest in Braj. And speaking about that, giving, giving evidence from that, further uh, is, is supportive of his claim. Then he goes on to other forms and so on and so forth. In similar ways, but here, what if you look at the verse, you'll see he says uh, he says what tata sankarshani lila, daichasam harika picha. This is what he says. He say he first he speaks about sankarshan, right? Tata sankarshani lila, daichasam harika picha. So he says sankarshan. Was present, um, was manifest within the Brajalila, which in a larger sense includes Mathura, where we find Sankarshan, Vasudev, Pradyumnani, Ruda. He goes on to say, what Murtayo Mature Banti Sri Pradyumnani Rudayo, Yashi Gopala Tapaniyam, Varahadishu Tashuta. He gives evidence from Gopal Tapani and Varahapurana that the forms of also of Pradyumna and Aniruddha were manifest in Mathura. Of course, you can find that from the Bhagavatam as well, right? The son and grandson and grandson, respectively, of Krishna, Pradyumna and Aniruddha. And of course, Sankarshan is there and Vasudeva is there. Um, so he's making that point. The verse doesn't say anything about Agasura. So the translation that you read is wrong. Hmm? There's no mention of Agasura there. It just says, Tata Sankarshani Lila, Daicha Sangharikapi Cha. So, involving the killing, Sangharikapi, of Daichas, in the context of killing Daichas, Sankarshan had Lila within the Brajmandal, within the Matura Mandal. And so, and he goes on to say, and similarly, the forms of Pradyuna Nandiruda manifest there. So, that's how to understand that. And the second question is about, as, uh, a, uh, a verse uh, after this verse in which it said that Krishna uh, churned, produced the ocean of milk from his cows and that his, his friends, coward friends, took the roles of demons and devotees and churned it. Hmm? And Krishna showed himself to be Ajita, who is the, who is the form of the Lord that comes out of the... the um, Churning of the ocean, as described in the eighth canto of the Bhagavatam. So you're wondering, I never heard about that later. But he's referring to different Puranas and so forth. So this is it's mentioned in some Purana. It basically means that, that, that Krishna, with his friends, had a Leela, where he pretended to make an ocean of milk, and his pretense is pretty good. And <laughs> And his his friends, one group of them took the one side and the other took the other side, uh, as the deities played deities and demons, and they churned the ocean of milk. And he, at that time, he showed himself to be Ajita. So it's mentioned in some Purana, and he's referencing here without maybe the Brahmanda Purana. I'm not sure because right after that, he, he cites the Brahmanda Purana. Um, but um, that that's what he means by these things. Um, I appreciate the question. It's it's very nice to know that you're reading the book so carefully. It's an important book. Uh, you mentioned that he had a translation of Bonner's form, so he made an error, um, pretty pretty big error there. 
I should mention to you that uh, Gopi Puranadana also has an edition uh, produced by the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust. I believe it's a, in some ways, it's a better edition. In some ways, well, it's not. But <laughs> overall, I think it's a better a better edition. He, he was a better uh, Sanskritist and a little more um, careful. So, hope that helps. Mm-hmm. What else? Uh, Sarjan had a follow up on the previous question about the perennialism. Yes. Um, so it came to me a little bit after that, uh, that wonderful response that you gave, um, uh, regarding the perennial expression of truth within all religious traditions in different ways like that. Uh, it came to me, I remember. Yeah, we lost you. Anyone else there? Uh, yeah, we're here. Are I we think it's saw John. Yeah. Okay, you froze up there for a minute. Oh, okay. Um, I was saying that I had a conversation many years ago with one friend who is a uh, uh, kind of like a, a well-known international Zen teacher. And, um, and I directly asked him about the Chintya Beda Beda Tattva and what his, what his thoughts might be about that. And as soon as I explained that it meant simultaneous, inconceivable simultaneous oneness with diversity, with, with variety, he said, oh, he immediately said, without even a moment's thought, he said, oh, yes, that is the truth. It is presented in the second verse of the Heart Sutra that form and formlessness are non-different. It's not that one is more true or more, or more ultimate or more real or something like that or superior in any way. And he even said there's a, there's a Zen text called the Sandokai, which means the harmony of sameness and difference, like that. So these, it, it occurred to me when you spoke about the, the universal, uh, the perennial um, expression of truth in, in all the different uh, traditions. You mentioned Christianity and, and Islam and like that, and Buddhism as well. So that um, Chintabeta Beta Tattva is really kind of, seems to be, the central core um, of the the same one perennial truth, even apparently in other ends of the uh, philosophical spectrum or sociocultural spectrum, would would you would you agree well, with that? I would say that uh, um, you know obviously what he's thinking is not exactly what we're thinking, but. Your Zen, you know, the Zen person you're talking about, but the the idea, the fact that this, that these are the two sides. There's there's dualism and there's monism. So you know, let's take: is there only matter? Is there only consciousness? Is there matter and consciousness? Uh, you know, and so on and so forth. These are these are the this is this is a perennial, you know, um, argument, if you will, or issue. And um, um, and it's you know it's it's layered so it, it plays out in different in, in different ways. It is the core essential. And so one book, some will go on one side, some will go on the other side, right? Some will go with identity or union or oneness. Uh, some will go with 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 duality, difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some you know. Qualifying one, qualifying the dualism, qualifying the difference, and giving it names, and so on and so forth. The beautiful uh, um, thing about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's tradition is he said both are fully, you know, both and they are fully integrated. They're fully inner. inner. The nature of the reality is that oneness and difference, inner, uh, it's oneness and difference inter interpenetrating um, one another. So he didn't accept one, reject the other, minimize. Now, you know, what that all, at the same time, I would say the, the way in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's school 
and the Gos and the Goswamis have have brought that out does really bring a full uh, and most charming picture of the harmonizing of these two sides of you know our heads, if you will. <laughs> right. Perennial, you know, kind of a problem. So appreciate that. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thank you, Maharaj. Next question is from Uddhava. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj, can you hear me? Yes, good to see you. Yes. I have the two short questions. Uh, first will be, I was reading, you know, to get some inspiration on the Gayatri Mantra, you know, the, again, the, the uh, you know, the explanation given by Siddhar Maharaj. And there he explains that uh, to come into Sakya Rasta will be to come under Sridham and Sudama Sakya. There is a specific reason why he mentioned those two, or he's just giving an, an example of group leaders. I, I should read that. I don't remember that. But um, Sridham Sudam, he's just giving an example. These are very prominent uh, suckers. Um, Sridham is the most uh, prominent Priyasaka and most like Krishna. Krishna is the son of Nanda and Yashoda. Sridham is the son of, 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 of um, Rishabhanu and Kirtida. So these are the two, you know, kingdoms, if you will, within the Braj. And um, he, so he is the most like Krishna in many respects. Uh, Sridham Sudham is, 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 I believe, the nephew of his. And, um, I wouldn't give it any more significance than that. He could have said, other, named other names and so forth. Okay, the, the second question is, you know, uh, the other day was raining here pretty hard, the Philippines. And I thought, you know, like in monsoons in India, Vrindavan rained a lot also. So what the, the, the friends of Krishna and Krishna do when it's raining so much? What's Krishna do when it's raining? I've written about that. Let me see if I can bring something up quickly. Uh, and, and answer your question. Oh, that's not going to quick. Let's see here. Um, what does Krishna do during the monsoon, right? Yes. Uh, okay. Let's see here. Um, It's, um, of course, a beautiful uh, season. Um, uh, I like this. Uh, forgive me for taking this at the time. And having you all wait like this, but I really liked what um, what came out about this. Whether I can find it um, quickly enough, I think I'm close. Let's see, um, monsoon. I'll read a little bit. Okay, in the Bhagavad Sukadev, 
poetically depicts the monsoon and autumn seasons of Braj to set the scene for the leelas occurring during these periods. A preface that serves, Shijiva comments, as an udipana for the intense ananda that such leelas are filled with. In eight verses, Sukamune depicts the typical daily coward leelas as the monsoon turns to the harvest season. When the Vrindavan forest was flourishing thus, filled with dates and blackberries, Hari, surrounded by his go and gopals, and accompanied by Balaram, entered that forest for the sole purpose of playing. The cows, weighed down by their milk-filled udders, moved slowly, but when Bhagwan called them, they ran to him, milk dripping out of affection. Krishna took note of the joyful female forest dwellers, the trees dripping with honey, and the caves and streams and waterfalls that seemed nearby from the sound of water echoing on the mount of on Mount Govardhan. When it rained, sometimes Krishna would take shelter of the hollow of a tree or a mountain cave and eat roots and fruits along with Sankarshan and the other boys, all equal to him in stature, he ate lunch, yogurt, rice, brought from home on a large makeshift stone table on the riverbank. Krishna watched the contented bulls, cows, and calves grazing on green grasses and then sitting, eyes closed, chewing their cud. The cows tried tired from the burden of their heavy milk bags, observing the overall beauty of the scene, a perennial source of joy. He offered his respect to the monsoon season itself, a manifestation of his Atmashakti. In this way, Ram and Keshava resided in Braj during the monsoon season as autumn arrived with the cloudless sky, clear water, and gentle Breezes. The boys surrounded Chittahari for the purpose of sheltering him from the rain with makeshift umbrellas, greedy to relish the beauty of his smiling face as it reacted to the beauty of the forest during the monsoon season. Characteristic of this season is the abundance of dates and jumbo fruit, and because of the rains, the grass was plentiful and fresh, which in turn caused the Kamadenu's udders to swell. The monsoon season is thus also characterized by an abundance of milk. Here the Bhagavad describes a, describes a sattvika bhava exclusive to Vatsalya rasa. Cows' udders were wet with milk in loving response to hearing Krishna affectionately call the cows' names. Driven by their staibhav, in parental love, the cows desired to give their milk to Krishna rather than to their calves. Krishna glanced mercifully upon the aboriginal women residing in the forest. He tasted tender roots and sweet fruits along with his friends gathering together in the hollow of large trees and within the caves of Mount Govardhan, sometimes mystically accepting the competing invitations of both trees and caves at the same time from such natural shelters that openly embraced and lovingly hosted him and his friends, they looked out in awe as the thundering rains quenched the thirsty forest. They were comfortable while waiting for the rain to subside, exploring in conversation any number of interesting topics. But at times the rains reached such a torrential pitch pouring forth from the heavens above that the boys could not even hear one another speak. Awed by nature, they sat intimately huddled with the source of her power. At such times, such times, none of them, neither Ram, Krishna, nor any of their friends, had the slightest desire to depart. When you love someone, the hollow of a tree will suffice, suffice as a home for your love-laden heart. As the time of lunch 
for lunch arrived, Sankarshan gathered together the multitude of boys as a single unit around a stone sufficient in size to serve as a plate, table, and seat for all of the sakas. That stone was situated on the bank of the beautiful of a beautiful kund, and the boys unpacked their lunches. They first, as they did, they first offered them to Krishna, who honored the spirit of their love. But instead of eating first, Krishna placed Ram in the center and served every one of them. Only then did he eat lunch himself. Thus, Rasarasika Krishna and his friends were equally love and the object of love for one another. Meanwhile, the gopis had burned through the summer in separation from Krishna, but assumed that the monsoon season would give them relief from the heat. However, this was not the case. Like a monsoon cloud, Krishna remained in their hearts, and from their lotus eyes, tears streamed such that the monsoon season itself took notice of the gopis, drowned in an ocean of love and separation. Subal detected that his friend's face was drenched, not only by the rain, but also from the tears that expressed his puvarag farada as the monsoon rain, assisted by the gopis' tears, poured down heavily, so heavily that it arrested the minds of both the gopas and the gopis, leaving them dependent on their hearts alone. And there's more, but this is a little bit um, about the monsoon season. I hope that helps. That was very beautiful. Thank you. Jai Ram Krishna Ki Jai Jai Radhi. So, what else? Hey, there is uh, Brigu has a question. Dhanavat Guru Maharaj. Brigu I have a question. Yes. I can't hear you. If you speak. do the. English, you original. What about now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yes. Uh, we were reading recently the chapter of the 10th canto of, of uh, uh, Krishna Balaram begging food from the the Brahmins offering a sacrifice, and then uh, then uh, uh, meeting the, the the wives of the Brahmins and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go home then afterwards, of course, and they the the husbands realize what a terrible mistake they they made, not not giving food to Krishna Balaram. But even after they realize that, they want to go and see Krishna and Balaram. But they're scared of King Kamsa, so they they don't go to Vrindavan. Um, and the question, of course, is that if they realize that Krishna is actually the supreme personality of Godhead, how come they don't? How come they are still scared of of Kamsa? Um, I, I was guessing that it had to do with their. Still, still kind of clinging to their, the idea of, of what a Brahmin should be like and, 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 and so on. But maybe you could say something more about this. Yes. Well, I think that, um, that it's one thing to realize that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead as a sadhaka in this world and think then how you know you would relate to him of course um, we do that and we know as sadhakas that he's the personality of God but we don't just run to him do we we, we are afraid of other things <laughs> and that 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 that's a reality um, but um, if we now if we take that into the Leela I think that that reality is compounded. I mean, one thing about the leelas we find, the prakat leelas, that we find perfected devotees who have descended with Krishna, right, in 
they're part of the drama. And then we have new people coming in to the drama. They're not necessarily ordinary people. What their backgrounds are, we don't always know, but we assume, well, it must have been extraordinary or had some extraordinary blessing and so forth to take birth in the Leela. We look at the two, in this case, the wives of the Brahmins and the Brahmins. Well, they came from slightly different backgrounds. The former, the wives, uh, more auspicious, spiritually speaking, background than their husbands, but they're both in the Leela, right? Um, and so based on their background, how they're going to respond to the to the Leela and the reality of it will be different. And obviously, as I say, the husbands weren't as advanced as, as the wives. They, they took shelter of the wives. Hmm? And the wives became their gurus. So they didn't run to Krishna in the Braj, but they they found Krishna in the person of their of their wives, hmm? honored them, praised them, and in effect became disciples of their their wives. And then, in, you know, in the context of the Leela, Krishna hasn't killed Kamsa yet. That's going to happen. Um, it's not that everybody in Mathura who knows that Krishna is God suddenly is going to run over to over to over to Braj because the Leela wouldn't the drama you know there's a there's a there's a order if you will to the to the drama of of the Leela and so they're con, kind of confined by that working within the constraints of that without thinking of it like that hmm? they're in the Leela the Leela has its own movement and and so on and so forth so they have certain roles um you know there there are others I mean you can ask uh, you know why didn't Okura just leave you know Matura and go immediately to Braj where Krishna is and just stay there, you know, because he's he's also an instrument, if you will, in uh, under the influence of the Leela Shakti for playing out the Leela. So I think that um, that's an added reason, if you will, to why they didn't just, you know, go to Vrindavan and become overtly devotees of Krishna added to the reasons why we don't, or people, or sadhakas, not as advanced. We know that Krishna is God, but we don't run to him either. Of course, the other things are in the way. There may be things in their way also, as sadhakas in their path. Now they become disciples of their wives, uh, so there are things to work out. And we'll look at it something, something like that. Does that help? You're not moving or saying anything, so yes. Okay, now we hear you. I have a question Thank for you. you. I have a question for you. I was just going to write you about this. Um, I have had a, a correspondence with um, Shivats Goswami of the Radharaman Temple about my book, um, which he really loved, and um, for which he wants to write a, a foreword if he ever gets around to it. But I mentioned to him that and that um, you had done a translation of the first part of the Hari Bhakti Vilas, and I sent him the PDF that you, I think that you had sent me. And he told me that he had already received it and, and, and he thanked me and so forth. And I'm wondering, did you have any further correspondence with him? Or did he say anything about your, your, your edition um, you no i i i haven't heard anything from from him about it i i, I know he he has looked at it le- at least but i haven't heard anything back from him uh, my conclusion about the authorship of course is very different from from, mm-hmm. from his understanding but mm-hmm. he hasn't and uh, you sent it to him personally yes Mm-hmm. And he didn't, he didn't respond at all. Just, yes. Yeah, that seems to be what he's like. So I just want <laughs> he, he's very, very brief uh, at, at best. Um, but uh, he's a good uh, scholar and a good uh, saintly person, for sure. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Brigubad's uh, doing a translation of the Hari Bhakti Vilas. I think it's going to come out in three volumes. The first volume is out. It's quite, quite well done. 
although he disagrees with me in there on one point, small point, a uh, very small point, um, um, from something I mentioned in my commentary on Gopal Tampani about um, who it is who has a half moon on their head, I think. Um, anyway, that's a, another issue. But um, um, I mentioned this, uh, the Radharaman Temple, the, the, the Goswami families, they're all followers of Gopal Bhatta Goswami, who was very much, uh, would seem involved in um, Hari Bhakti Vilas, but some say, and Briga was one of them, that Sanatana Goswami is his book, actually, and I guess Gopal Bhatta assisted him, and the Radharaman Goswamis would look at it maybe the other way, but it's Gopal Bhatta Goswami who's the author. And uh, Sri Bhatta Goswami many years ago told me, nobody follows the Hari Bhakti Vilas closer than than we do. I said, yeah, but nobody follows it completely, right? <laughs> he had to chuckle and admit, but it's an interesting point uh, that's come up to me, and I'll mention it to you all recently as well. Um, there's this, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, this, this, this seems like this forever somebody new finds about, out about some old arguments against Bhakti Siddhanta and finds them to be super, like, insightful and uh, justification for rejecting him and declaring him and his whole lineage and all of us to be uh, uh, bogus or unbonafide. Um, this is a train uh, that left the station like years ago, crashed and burned, but some people still try to get on it. And um, someone wrote me recently um, from the our party bar, um, Asking about where did you know Bhakti start to get the Brahman, you know, the Brahma Gayatri? Um, I gave a really nice explanation on the harmonist. You can see it there. But um, subsequently, something else came up, and, and this is how it's related to go to uh, Hari Bhakti Vilas in my mind. Um, there's a famous brother of Bhakti Siddhanta named Lit Prashad. And um, he was younger than Bhakti Siddhanta, and he was helping Bhakti Siddhanta at the beginning uh, of Bhakti Siddhanta's mission when he was began initiating in the presence of Gorkashore, Das Babaji, and Bhakti Thakur. And uh, later he left and had some disagreement with his brother. And in time, that disagreement became a little stronger in his in his his, his mind, apparently. And, um, you know, many years later, after the passing of Bhakti Siddhanta, um, some of, a couple of Prabhupada's uh, visited uh, Lalit Prashad in Vrindavan, who was still living, and Prabhupada allowed them to visit, and they had tapes of him speaking, and they, they, uh, I, they played those tapes to me. Their names were Guru Kippa Swami and Yashodananda Swami. Um, but at a certain point, Prabhupada told him not to listen to them because they reported to him that he began criticizing Bhakti Siddhanta. And Prabhupada said, he's envious of my guru. So we, we don't have anything to do with him. Prabhupada had gone to him, Lit Prashad, and because Lit Prashad had um, voiced a um, interest in or the, the fact that he was receptive to the idea of Prabhupada taking over the management of, I think, Bhakti Vinod's uh, maybe birthplace that was overseen by Lit Prashad, where there are many manuscripts and letters and things like that. So Prabhupada went to see him. There are pictures of this um, and discussed the idea. Recently, I heard from Agni, Dave, my godbrother, who heard from one of the devotees who had accompanied Prabhupada on that, that when Prabhupada said, yes, we can manage, we can do all this and so forth, that um, as they were coming to some possible conclusion in this regard, Lit Prashad said, but I will be the Acharya. Hmm. And um, Agnidev, I think, rightly, rightly took it as how rather unbecoming uh, a statement to make at that age. Um, and, you know, obviously Prabhupada was all, all over the world preaching and so forth for the mission. So Prabhupada dropped the idea and didn't pursue it any further. Um, but, as a little background, 
what came up um, with regard to these old arguments is Bhaktisiddhanta is not bona fide. I mean, he he was revolutionary, and he 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 made uh, many um, insightful. Uh, uh, he was innovative in his attempt to universalize this the spreading of well to to, to spread Gaudiya Vaishnavism beyond the boundaries of India and so forth, and reform the tradition and so on and so forth. And he was very um, um, capable, qualified, and sufficiently realized to distinguish between details and, and principles and so forth, which many people weren't. Uh, Bhaktivinotaku refers to such people as barabahis. They can't discriminate between principles and details. What's the color of your cloth? And, you know, if you don't have this color cloth on, you can't go back to Godhead. I mean, it, it seems like a silly argument, right? Well, people make it as, as a serious argument because they've conflated or misconstrued details to be principles. But at any rate, this, um, an old ex-godbrother of mine who left Prabhupada during Prabhupada's presence um, had reported that Lulit Prashad had made a claim that, that Bhakti Siddhanta was an incarnation of the demon in Jagannath Puri that, that Bhakti Vinod Thakur had taken to task and, and arrested. And that Bhakti Vinod didn't like him at all, and his mother didn't like him, and found his presence in her womb to be very painful and so forth. And this fellow was making a testimony that he'd heard this directly from Lid Prashad, and some other devotees were, oh my God, geez, we should leave the Bhakti Siddhanta Marg and so forth. And it was just like such a heads-on backwards conclusion that I had to uh, chuckle at it in, in a sense, because it's really, I mean, I don't know if Lid Prashad said that, but it's, it's, if he did, it's very unfortunate, and he speaks very poorly of him because Bhaktivinoda Thakur wouldn't be known in the world if really outside of Bengal, probably if it weren't for Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And he wrote to Bhakti Siddhanta Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and there's a famous letter, it's well known, it's available in print um, in English, telling Bhakti Siddhanta what he wanted him to do. And, and, and if you read that letter, those are all the things that Bhakti Siddhanta was doing reform the tradition. Uh, um, establish the worship at the yoga pit, um, um, uh, establish what is the correct form of, var- of Varnashram compared to what was being put forward as Varnashram that was critical of Vaishnavism and so forth. Um, and it's quite a, you know, a couple paragraph letter and just every, everything in that letter and more is what Bhakti Siddhanta did. So, to think that he wasn't a true follower of Bhakti Vinod and that Bhakti Vinod was against him. It's just like, there's, it doesn't, it really uh, goes strongly against the um, empirical evidence. So it's not something to get, you know, it's, it's something that's, like, oh, instead of thinking, oh, Bhakti Santa must be bad, Lee Prashad said this. I don't know if he said it, but somebody said he said it. My immediate reaction was, wow, if Lee Prashad said that, he's pretty bad. <laughs> that would, would, would make sense. But getting to the, sorry, I've been thinking about this a bit. I've thought about it over the years and responded to it at different times. But getting to the Hari Bhakti Vilas, um, another person who I knew and I met, he came to see me a few times, had a uh, younger fellow compared to me, had left uh, our Pari Bar and, uh, and got into all this stuff and started publishing on the internet all these old arguments that just don't hold up. And, you know, they go against our own, our own bliss. You can't argue against your own bliss. Um, so, uh, we have our own, you know, experience to carry us, if you will, besides any other arguments as to our bona fides. But, um, he was bringing up, um, certain things that he heard apparently from somebody, um, that what initiation constitutes, what mantras you have to receive. I think there was 16 or 11 mantras. And this is a tradition for hundreds of years. Bhakti Siddhanta deviated from this and so on and so forth. And um, I believe his he was referring to an extent, if not largely, to uh, a book by um, Dhyan Chandra Goswami, 
Gorgobinda Smarnam Padati. Uh, there's different mantras for different manjaris and things, and it's it's a nice book and so forth. And it became a book that um that put a lot of details, gave some shape hmm, to uh uh following the path to Manjari Bhav. It's it's largely a book of mantras to chant. Um and uh, uh, a little bit of a handbook in a way, and um, it's good, and so forth. But if you look at Hari Bhakti Vilas, none of that stuff is in Hari Bhakti Vilas. That's given by Sanatana Goswami, Gopal Bhakti Goswami. Bhakti Siddhanta seems to be taking it back a little bit to the, to, to to this text which is more Catholic in, 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 in a sense. And rather than being seen as a, as a revolutionary, you know, being different from Dhyan Chandra's book, he, he, he's bringing it more, in, in a sense, in line with Gopal Bhattu Goswami's book. Um, the point being that you could ask the question, why is Dhyan Chandra deviating from the, from the Hari Bhakti Vilas? Hmm? We don't ask that question. Hmm? <laughs> we don't ask that question. And for good reason. Because, you know, there, there's, there, there's room for additions and, you know, tweaking the thing a, 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 a little bit. And what happened in our sampradaya is you have these, these yatis, these renunciates, like the Goswamis. They wrote their books and so forth. And then you have their followers. Hmm? And the, 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 you know, the second realm of ring uh, line of followers of Advaitin and Nityananda Prabhu and they were largely Brahmins appropriate because in Varnashram Brahmins are the gurus so if they're Brahmins and they're in a Vaishnavism they should serve as the gurus you know unless someone is from another Varna but they're qualified within within Vaishnavism no problem and then and then they, these Goswami families you know sometimes they're criticized because they call themselves Goswamis and they weren't Goswamis but another way of looking at it is, well, they they they, they love the Goswamis, so they call themselves. They changed their name to Goswamis. I kind of, you know, that's kind of a charming way of looking at it. But they were at Brahmins, and they, what they did was they they gave some form, some shape to the procedures and so on, hmm? um, and that was useful and so forth. But then those that that shape that they gave should be done like this, should be done like that. Uh, you should get a Diksha Patra letter from the Guru. You have to have this particular tilak. And so on and so forth. These were details that they adjusted, hmm? and for good reason. And they did it in a nice way, but they're not eternal principles hmm? necessarily. And if you want to go back to Hari Bhakti Vilas, what is initiation? Well, there's no there's no mention. You have to get a letter. You have to have a tea, you have you wear Vishnu tilak, Bas. You know, I mean, <laughs> instead of the Shaiva tilak, you wear the Urdhva Pundra. You know. It doesn't say you have to have this particular tilak because that particular tilak is in this place in 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 in, in, in local or in or in, in, in Gorlila and and if you don't have it on you won't go there. I mean um, these kind of um, details, if you will, um, are uh, can be adjusted and so forth. And Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, Bhakti Vinodakar himself as well, and Others in our parlor have made such adjustments that has made Gaudiya Vaishnavism um, the prominent, as prominent as it is in the world today. I mean, this is all our paribar. Um, so, um, again, you could ask the question, you know, why did John Chandra not, you know, why did he write another book? It looks like he started another religion. Nobody says that. Hmm? But he's as innovative there, if you will, and departing apparently from Hari Bhakti Vilas or adding things in uh, as Bhakti Siddhanta was subtracting some things or, or adding things. He was doing something similar. So if you want, the point is, if you want to praise Dhyan Chandra and his book, then you should be praising Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur um, in, in the same light. And um, I think that how much some of, some of you... Um, are a little familiar, more familiar with these arguments over, over the time. Some may not know what I'm talking about per se, but I've tried to present it a little bit. And if you run into this, again, people trying to get on a train 
of criticism of Bhakti Siddhanta in our Paribar that left the station a long, long time ago. And it burned, crashed, and burned, and is nowhere. But people hear it, and and sometimes they get um, um, taken in by this envy, really, of envy, and end up arguing against their own shraddha, if not their own bliss. They must have had some bliss. They're arguing against their own experience. Someone says, your mantra doesn't work because it came from Bhakti Siddhanta, and we don't know this or that about it. What? Well, it works for me. <laughs> so, you know, the argument's solved uh, right there. I mean, it's academic to go back and point out, you know, how your arguments don't make sense otherwise. So, anyway, it's been a little on my mind again. It comes up every every few years. So I thought I'd, um, anyway, I, it came out. So I hope you appreciate that. And with that, we've had uh, uh, a little over time on the session. So we'll end there. And I hope to be with you again uh, next week. Bhaktivinoda Paribharaki Jai. Gaur Premanande Hari Hari Jai. Gurmash, can you quickly mention what the book by Dhyan Chandra Goswami was again? What was the name of it? Gaur Govinda Smarana Padati. Okay. If you'd like to see it. Okay. Gaur Premanande. Hey, Bo.